Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. introduction for today. It's a big day, right? Just like Pastor Pat said, today is our Rooted Youth Confirmation. So we are so pleased that you're all here today, and we have our students and their families here as well. So today has been 11 months in the making, actually a year and 11 months. Our last, our confirmation was scheduled to be put was on the calendar for March 29th of 2020, so here we are today. So before we get started and before I um, start in with the message and we hear from our testimonies, I want to have our instructors for Rooted Youth uh, stand, and we want to thank them for all their efforts and hard work. It was Matt and Connie Marchese and Gabe and Jenny Wardell. Give them all a big thank you. This was the first year that we took the Rooted One and Rooted Two adult curriculum and brought it to uh, the youth, and they did a great job adapting and working in sort of a week-by-week basis presenting those lessons, so thank you to all of them. All right, so now I'm going to ask our testimonies, Reagan Andra and Austin Mosapia to come to the podiums, and they're going to share what they experienced in Rooted Youth. I've grown up in a Christian household and went to church for the usual Sunday and Wednesday night services ever since I can remember. I've always known God for the amazing creator he is, but I never really dug deep into his word and discovered his truths until Rooted Youth. Once I was old enough to know what Rooted Youth was, I was instantly excited to go. Whenever I saw older kids getting baptized and confirmed, I always told my mom and dad, that's gonna be me one day. Having just graduated from Kings Island, I had one year before joining Rooted Youth. Miss Peggy encouraged me to use my talents to serve the church. I love to sing and act, so joining the shout-out team and creating skits with Emily was a natural fit. Sixth graders are also able to join The Way on Wednesday nights, which I absolutely loved. One night, I came home from Wednesday night church telling my parents that I want to know God for my own. When people ask me why I believe in God, I no longer wanted my answer to be because my parents take me to church and that's all I know. I needed my own story. Right, I knew right then, that moment, I wanted to be a full-on follower of Christ. God led me to begin getting rid of the time wasters in my life. I began deleting apps that were no longer appealing to me and adding the Bible app and doing devotions with my friends and family. When I was old enough to join Rooted Youth, I was thrilled. I couldn't wait to increase my relationship with God and grow stronger in my faith. We had lessons about sacraments, foot washing, and the Trinity that I had heard about but never fully understood until Rooted Youth. Then came baptism. My teachers taught me about baptism, but actually doing it made me so nervous. My grandma Andra talked with me and my cousin Aaron the week before and reassured us how important this sacrament is in our lives, and it made me very glad that I was doing this. 
I was now totally committed, but still nervous. Before baptism, Mrs. Marchese prayed for Madison and me, and we were trying to hold back our tears. I went off on my own and just kept praying and praying. I have never had an experience where I have felt that close to the Lord. It was so amazing, I could not contain my joy. These experiences increase my confidence in my faith. I strive to keep praying all the time because I want to feel that close to the Lord every single day. But as overall, I had a fantastic catechism experience. But as the excitement built for confirmation, COVID hit. And the whole world stopped. We all had to change our expectations. And at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. This really put me and my whole family's faith to the test. God was faithful, giving us peace and healing my mom. I saw the promises catechism taught me in our lives day after day. It has strengthened my testimony and I am no longer shy talking about my faith or my friends or new people. I love church, and I've been so blessed to have phenomenal teachers from Kings Island and Kids Cove to Rooted and The Way. I love them all so very much. I wouldn't have the connection I have with God if it wasn't for their influence. And thank you, Ms. Rob Susan, who has led it all. I appreciate all you have done for me. I'm still a work in progress, but I know that I have the Lord by my side. Thank you. And now my friend Austin will be sharing his testimony. Good morning, pastors, church, family, and friends. My name is Austin Amozapia, and this is my testimony. Prior to me starting Rooted Youth, I went to church. I would do all the singing and praying at church, but I never knew God for myself. By the time I figured out I wanted to learn more about God, I was signing up for Rooted Youth. When I started Rooted Youth, I was pretty nervous, but after a few weeks, I really liked it. Eventually, the first baptism choice came up, and since it was up to me, I told my mom I wasn't ready. About one month later, another baptism opportunity came up, and I told my mom I was ready. I felt I had learned a lot about God, I learned many Bible verses, and even more lessons. My favorite lesson was lesson 14 because it talks about lifting and using God's name above all other words and not using the Lord's name in vain. Later, I was baptized and very happy because I knew I was saved. I already was feeling closer to God. Then that night, I woke from a nightmare and immediately started praying. At first, I didn't realize, but when I did, I felt I had been filled by the Holy Spirit and closer to God than I had ever felt. After that, I continued to go to Rooted Youth and really enjoy learning about God. That is my testimony. I would also like to tell you all about how my life has been affected by the pandemic. I now do virtual school, which is very difficult for me because I haven't seen my friends in almost a year. My brother still has to attend school in person, and my mom ha has to go out to work every day to help and treat people diagnosed with COVID-19. Although the pandemic might be scary and has changed all of our everyday lives, I know God is with us through it all. We must see the blessings of God during these sad times. For instance, me and my brother get to spend more time together now and how my mom hasn't gotten sick. So we should all stay positive. Thank you for allowing me to share my testimony and achievement of being baptized with you all and have a blessed day. Good job.
Oh, thank you, Reagan and Austin. It is certainly encouraging, isn't it, to see the spiritual growth and maturity in young people of our church, isn't it? All right, so now to our message. In life, we're all building something. Did you know that? But what does it take to build something that lasts? What does it take to build wise, as our life app for today is titled? Let's start with Matthew 7 and find out what Jesus says when it comes to building wise. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a, what is it? Okay, I'm going to ask you to read along with me, okay? So <laughs> let's, let's try that again. Is like a wise man who built his house on the what? The rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the what? On the rock, okay, now you're listening. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, everybody say does not. Does not put them into practice is like a what? Okay, you're getting the hang of it. Who built his house on what? On the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Just like Pastor Noah was talking about in the tree house, anything built out of sand or built on sand will someday be washed away. Even a sand couch. And for the purposes of our discussion today, whenever I refer to a house, I'm talking about our life. And whenever I refer to the rock, I'm talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right? Got it? So as we consider this incredibly important illustration about building wise, I want to draw out three life applications. Life app number one. We will all build something Build according to the instructions. So on the screens now, you're going to see a picture of the plans for our house, the house that we live in. They're blueprints that were drawn up in 1956. And our house was built in 1957. Attached to those blueprints is what's called the description of materials. And on that description of materials, there is, they're listed everything that was going to go into the house in 1957. What brand of shingles, what type of wall covering, what type of floor was going to be in there, even the type of toilet, even the brand of paint that was going on the walls. Sherwin-Williams, by the way. So... The builder and the homeowner agreed to the instructions that were on those papers, and they built the house according to the instructions. Maybe some of you know where I'm going with this. We have instructions too. 
and they describe how to build our life. And here's where they're found, the word of God. And you might say, hey, where would I start if I wanted to know how to build my life? Where in the Bible? And here's what I would suggest. Suggest, I suggest Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the scripture that I just read from, from, from Matthew 7 finishes the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is sort of a quick start guide to life. You ever get that new TV and you pull out that big instruction book and then you pull out that one page piece of paper that says quick start guide and it's full of a lot of pictures and put this wire here and that wire there, right? Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus' quick start guide to living life. There's a whole lot more in the, all these pages, but if you want to know what it means to live life as a Jesus follower, I suggest you start there. And it's so appropriate as we read throughout this, throughout the, um, throughout the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus finishes with the wise and foolish builders. And the wise and foolish builders is so appropriate for a day like today because it's rooted youth confirmation. But the truths that are, that are found in this story that Jesus tells can be applied to all of us because there's great depth in this story, no matter where our construction process is in our lives. In the Sermon on the Mount, you're gonna learn the blessing of having a poor or humble spirit, the blessing of being merciful, the importance of controlling your anger, how to love and pray and how to fast, but most of all, to how to be a doer, to do what Jesus tells us to do. And there's a whole bunch more in there. So I encourage you to read it and take it all in. Because the more you spend time in this book, reading the words of Jesus and getting familiar with God's character and the words of God, the more you are going to recognize in your daily life when God closes a door over here and opens a door over there but you're not gonna be able to recognize those moments as easily if you're not spending time in here becoming familiar with God's voice. Follow the instructions, which brings me to my second life app. We all have a base, have a deep one. You'll notice I use the word base and not foundation because we all have a base, but we all don't have a foundation, at least a foundation that Jesus wants us to have. Every structure has a base, but not every structure has a foundation like a cinder block, right? Something strong and heavy. I, I, I worked, before I came to work here at the church, I, I worked in construction for more than 20 years. And I know how important, I've seen with my own eyes, how important it is that the foundation of a structure is laid well. In fact, it, it, it depends on the foundation, how the longevity of a structure. 
I have, I have some pictures of some different bases and foundations. See if you can figure out which is a good base and which is, which is a foundation and which is just a base. The first one, we've got some steel pilings being set into the ground. The next, we've got a single pour concrete slab. Next, we've got steel reinforced concrete footings. And next, we've got piles of rocks underneath a church in Tennessee. And then we've got stacks of five-gallon buckets, but they're filled with concrete, so that's a building in Malaysia. So of each of these structures, which do you think is going to last the test of time? And which do you think will collapse when the rains come down and the floods come up? In the book of Luke, Jesus tells a story of the wise and foolish builders with a little bit more detail. See if you can catch the extra depth that he speaks of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I'd say? As for everyone who comes to me and, here's my words, and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. Why? Because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Jesus when Jesus talks about foundation, he's not talking about a few stacks of rocks underneath the structure. He's not talking about five-gallon buckets, whether they're filled with concrete or not. He's talking about a foundation that requires us to, to dig down into the dirt until... We find bedrock. We find something solid. Oh, man, to be a kid again, right? Jesus is talking about digging down deep until you hit solid, solid rock. Well, what does that mean for us practically? Here's a couple of important things to think about when it comes to our base and our foundation for our life. A solid foundation requires work. Spending time every day digging, digging into the word of God. Spending time digging your knees in prayer, bringing your friends and family's needs before the Lord, seeking God's wisdom and peace. That takes work. It takes dedication. Just like it took me effort to dig down through sand just right here a few minutes ago. But as we humbly pray and seek God 
and read his word, we're going to learn more and more how important it is to walk humbly with him and follow what he's telling us to do. Because he's not telling us just to build a house. He's telling us how to do it and then to do it. Set our foundation on the rock. And something interesting about our foundation is usually if you have a whatever sort of home or house you live in, you don't usually see the foundation. You don't see that stuff down below, right? It's not built. It's not put there to be pretty or attractive. Its beauty is in its strength. And what it's connected to, the rock. What did I say when I said the rock? What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus, thank you. The strength under the surface of our foundation is often revealed in life during our most trying times, though, which brings me to my third and final life application. We will all face the storm. Face it with confidence. Raise your hand if you want to be able to face a storm and the pressures of life with confidence. So let's go back to the Matthew 7 passage. It says, The rains came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. What's interesting, though, is the wise man and the foolish man both had the same forces being applied to its house. Right? In other words, we all go through storms. Luke 6, the scripture I just read, said when a flood came, the torrent or the storm struck that house. He does not say if a storm comes. He says when the storm comes. The two things that these forces that Jesus was referring to are the pressures in life and God's final judgment. So the question now is, how can we face the storms of life and God's final judgment with confidence? Now, who wants to know that? Who wants to be able to stand up against that? The pressures of life come from all directions, from outside forces, right? Stuff that's beyond our control, like a pandemic, like sickness, like cancer, like Reagan spoke about, how that affected their family, unexpected death, catastrophe, financial setbacks or broken relationships. And then we've got stuff that sometimes comes from in here, from ourselves. We, have, we do a pretty good job creating our own high-pressure zones when it comes to the weather of our lives, right? Let me give you an example. This one starts with pride. Look at my house. Isn't it, didn't I do such a wonderful job building it? It has four dormers, one, two, three, four. But what often happens as we become prideful 
we begin to compare, right? My house. Uh, is it one bigger? No, I guess it's the same size, but they've got a red roof. Uh, we've, I've got my four dormers, though. Those were, those were pretty nice. That was a good design element. But often, the comparison leads to disappointment. Huh? They've got a, their house is made out of stone. Mine's just made out of timber. It's painted red, but often the disappointment leads to resentment. God, why couldn't I afford the stone house? I gotta pay for this red timber. Next thing you know, it leads to regret, and you're kicking the walls of the house that you just were filled with pride about. Unless we spend our time here more than facing ourselves and looking at our own situation. And if we were to listen to Jesus, maybe the, these internal storms that we can create for ourselves might be minimized a bit. Maybe if we were less selfish and more thinking of others, we lived more humbly and if we were content. Where do we learn about that? Right here. We all have pressures in this life, and it's true, some of us are subjected to more than others. And it really doesn't matter where the troubles come from, because we all go through them. The bottom line is we all have troubles. You may have heard this before, but it stands repeating that Jesus was telling his friends soon before he was going to be hung on a cross, in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, at first, that might not seem very encouraging. But there is a certain amount of encouragement to know that we're in this together and that we all go through trouble. But the more encouraging moment in what Jesus said was what he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And why did he tell them this? Because he wanted them to have peace as they went through the troubles of life. Peace even to endure the final storm, the storm that God will release with equal force on every single human being someday. God's final judgment. Oh, now I'm getting to the heaviness of this message because it's not just a cute story of two houses and where they were built. Jesus is asking us what will be left of our foundation when God sends the final storm? What will be left of our house? What is our foundation secured to? Jesus is saying that the storm is coming. The waters are rising. And God's final judgment is on its way. God's final judgment will destroy the fool's house. God's final judgment will destroy the fool, the one who heard Jesus' words and decided that those words don't apply to me. 
Jesus isn't playing here. We used to sing a song as a kid. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. The, the wise man built his house on the rock. The, the waters came down. Waters came up. Rains came down. And the, the foolish man's house went splat. And it's a, it's a fun kid's song. But it points to a critical moment in every single one of our lives. But there's hope. And as long as there's breath in our lungs, there's always hope. And our hope is found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Even if you've, built, you've gone your entire life building on the shifting sands of this world, maybe you're here today looking for hope. Right now, you are here, and you've come and looking, looked for hope, and, you're, and your house is like this. Maybe right this minute, you're being blown over by the pressures of this life. The waters are rising up around you, and all you can feel underneath your feet are shifting sands. And if that's you, you might be asking right now, what am I supposed to do? I've, I've already start, started building my house, or, or my house is already built. And, and I'm quite certain I haven't been building my life on the rock. Well, I think there's two options that I can take from the construction world and bring them into the spiritual world. Number one is tear it down and build new. And for some, that might be necessary because you've built your house among bad influences. The people that you've brought your, your, you built your house near they're just gonna keep being bad influence and you're not gonna be able to change that. Or maybe you've cut holes, windows in your walls and you've been looking at things that you have no business looking at. Maybe you've plastered your walls with envy and greed or despair or deceit. It's time to get rid of that and start new. With one exception, and I'm sorry I even have to say this, don't think that I just gave you permission to leave your wife or family. Because you've made that commitment. But that's why we have option two. It's called underpinning, and it's a real thing. The house, a framework is built, a temporary framework is built underneath the house, and it's lifted or held up, and the ground is cleared away underneath, and the foundation is built underneath the house, and the house is allowed to rest on the new foundation after it's found solid ground. Sounds like a lot of work, right? And it's expensive? Yes, both. Yes to both. But these things... This idea of digging down till we find a firm foundation, knocking down or underpinning, they're all hard work, but the results are eternal. When you are connected to the rock. In spiritual terms, it means digging out 
and removing the shifting sands of this world and replacing it with the truths of God found here. It means settling into a Bible-believing church like this one. Finding a Bible study. And if you can't find one, start your own in your own neighborhood or at work. Dig deep. Do the work to seek out your pastors, your friends, and family, the people who will support you in this idea of digging down and laying that firm foundation. Because this thing is labor-intensive. But it is so worth it. And that's what we're here for. This whole idea of following, listening to what Jesus said and following what he says to do we're here to support you as well. All this year, we're talking about the commands of Jesus and what it means to do what he says. But are you gonna pay attention? Rooted youth students, are you gonna pay attention? Are you gonna listen? Are you gonna put it into practice? Seek the rock that's, that's there. It's right below where you're building. You just have to go deep enough. The wise and the foolish man, they both built houses. So, so the house didn't save the wise man. It was what his house was built on. And it was what his house was, the foundation was connected to. That's what saved the wise man. We're all building. We're all building something. But what is our house connected to? storm's coming. The storm is coming. The wise man is calmly going to sit in his house when the storm comes. But when the storm comes, the rains come down, no problem for the wise man, but it's starting to weaken starting to weaken. The rains come and you start washing out the foundation. And when I first planned this, I thought this is gonna be a fun moment. And it is funny. But the truth is, it's not. Because there's going to be a whole lot of people who think they're safe. But they're not. 
And like Jesus said, the house is gonna fall with a crash. Maybe we don't go through a lot in our life and we escape the big troubles. But there is going to be a day someday. In Isaiah, God speaks to Isaiah. And he says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. He's talking about Jesus. It's who we sang about today, the cornerstone. And this is what the next part says. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. There's nothing for us to worry about if our foundation is built on the rock. But do you know who will be panicking? The fool. The one who heard Jesus' words and looked out their window and saw the storm coming and knew what wasn't under their house. They know that there's nothing that's going to protect them from what's on its way. So rooted youth students, families, church, don't let that be you. Make the decision today to dig deep and build wise. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, you are our God. You are the master of the storm. But we thank you for your son, Jesus, who is our rock. As we build our house, build our life, may our foundations be certain. May our foundation be built and connected to the rock so that we will not panic when the storms approach. In Jesus' name, amen.